0: This morning, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to go ahead and pray real quick. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. We ask that you would help us to open our hearts as we open the word, and uh, that God, we would just see your love for us even in the midst of what seems like stern warnings. Sometimes a stern warning can be the most loving thing anybody could say. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember uh, when I was younger, uh, for a little while, I lived in the country of Thailand. And uh, one of the things that my parents had lived there, and I moved over there and spent the better part of a year there, and the first week I was there, uh, one of the people who were assigned to me, I guess, uh, they were teaching me a little bit about Thai culture, and they said, the one thing that you don't want to do is lose face, and uh, it didn't translate very well. So I'm literally thinking, you know, how can you lose your face? I mean, it's, you know, attached to your body, you know. And so I'm get, trying to wrap myself around this, you know, like does somebody punch you out or they cut you up or give you, you know, you, you get plastic surgery. I don't know. You know, there's lots of ways you could change your face, I guess, or lose it. And So I finally asked him, I said, what do you mean by losing face? He goes, oh, he goes, yeah, is that, that might not make sense to you. He says, he says let me say it another way. You don't want to lose your good name. He said, in Asia, your good name is everything, everything. And when you lose your good name, we call that losing face. You've either dishonored or disrespected yourself, or you've dishonored or disrespected your family. And he said, you, you could lose face for yourself, and you may not care, but your father lives here. Your father works here. And so don't don't lose face and disrespect your name because your name is attached to his name. And if you lose face in our culture, they'll look at your father differently as well. And the same for him. If he does something, they'll look at you differently as well. And whether that's fair or not, that always stuck with me. That while I lived there, what I did, what I said, and what I stood for would not only be a reflection of me, but it would be a reflection of my father, who I was living with at the time. And so this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about that, about what really seems like the most direct command. Now, there's more direct, but, but there's no, not a lot of descriptions around Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. It just is what it is. It reads like this. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. On, on, a, on a surface, that can sound almost a little insecure, almost a little like, you know, God saying, hey, you know, I don't want you to like call me names or misuse my name or, you know, I'm really sensitive about my name. And it, it may seem like, you know, God, God's getting a little, you know, insecure with this, but there's actually an incredible reason as to why God would make this one of the 10 defining statements of love, first statements of love, he would speak to his people. And it begins like this. First of all, name, our names often equal character. Name equals character. Names can bring up memories, past events, uh, emotions, judgment, It's as if your name is a one-word summary of who you are, what you stand for, what you stand up for, what you've done, how we've lived. For example, and many of us have two names, right, a first name and a last name. Uh, if, If I were to say one name, it may conjure up one thing, but then if I say the last name, it may conjure up something else. If I say the name Adolf, right? Who do you think of hitler Hitler, right you don't think of the name of my best friend's dog who's named adolf who's probably the sweetest most gentle dog i've ever seen you know but immediately you say adolf and up comes hitler you know mass murderer you know genocidal dictator right what if i were to say the name martin luther King. king right did any of you think of the Martin Luther? I, would, I think of, which was the reformer from the 16th century uh, who kind of started the Protestant Revolution. That's a big reason why we're here, Martin Luther, you know? So there's a lot in a name. If I were to say mother, how many of you think of your mom? More of you should. <laughs> Come on now. When you, think, when you hear the word mother, you should just think of that wonderful sweet lady that raised you. But how many of you were thinking of Mother Teresa? Exactly. you know. That would hit late for Ken. That's okay. Now, if I were to say the name Tom, go ahead and say it. And Jerry. You know. so Actually, that's a funny thing you said that because... We have an, a wonderful treat this morning. We have a guest with us this morning, the founding pastor of this church. And, and Ray, do you know what his name is? You just said it. Jerry. Jerry and Sandy, would you guys stand in the back for a second? And let's give them a wonderful welcome back. I think they're, they're standing over in the dark over there, you know, they're... Trying not to be seen, but but that when I first came here, that's what they called this, Tom and Jerry. So you know, Tom was the cat. So <laughs> anyway, but 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 if I say Tom Brady, what do you what do you think of? Boo! <laughs> some of you are like boo. You know, you should go to jail. Uh, deflate Gate, you know, and some of you are like, yay, best quarterback in the NFL. So. God is into names. Names have power because in one word, they summarize a lot of feelings, a lot of emotions, a lot of history, a lot of facts in some ways. God is very interested in names. Three times you see God change somebody's name because he's so interested in it. The first time, it's a man named Abram, right? You know what, in Genesis chapter 17, God comes to Abram and he changes his name. Uh, Do you know what the name Abram means? It means exalted father. Now, here's the irony of it all. Was Abram an exalted father? No. He didn't have any kids. His wife was barren. He was childless. And so can you imagine having a name that meant exalted father and walking around and everybody kind of being like, (laughs) exalted father, yeah, you know? But God changes his name to Abraham, the father of a multitude. He's saying, not only are you going to be an exalted father, you're going to be a father of fathers, of fathers, of fathers, of fathers. Then in Genesis chapter 32, there's a man by the name of Jacob, which means usurper and supplanter. And, uh, and God wrestles with him one night. And after they're done wrestling, he goes to Jacob and he says, your name is no longer Jacob, it's Israel, because you're one who struggles with God and prevailed. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 16, he's got a guy named Simon, Simon who would later become Peter, the guy who was the, you know, the guy who gave the first sermon after Pentecost really got the church started. And he goes up to Simon, he says, you're called Simon, but from now on, you're going to be called Peter. Simon means little stone. Peter means rock. He says, you know, Simon, you may think you're little stones, but man, God's plan for your life, you're gonna be a rock. Just wait till you see the things that God does through your life and through your ministry. And so God is very into names. Names are important. Words are important because they have power, a lot of power. One time when I was in Tacoma, man, I was the pastor on call that week, and uh, normally you get through the phone, but somebody came in through the office, so I, I had to go into this other room and talk with the man. I, I kind of recognized him, but it was a big church, so I didn't really know him very well. He was, I knew he was a construction worker, and he came in, and he sat down, uh, and he just started to tell me this story. And he said, yeah, I was, I was on the job, and my boss called me a dumb donkey. Now, he didn't use the word donkey. He used the other word that we use for donkey, do I have to spell it for you? Okay. <clears throat> so in my sermon, I have A asterisk asterisk. But anyway, you know, but that's what, that's what his boss called him, the dumb, the dumb donkey. And he just got furious and he got mad at his boss. He walked off the job and he was just a mess. He's afraid he's going to lose his job. And he was very, very angry. And so I said, to oh, him, man, what?" I, I, I said, "What? why does that make you so upset? Why do you care what people say about, it? you know what, what's the big deal, you know, I He goes, you know what? Growing up, that was my nickname. That's what my dad would call me. That's what people called me. That's what they referred to me as, the dumb donkey. Here comes dumb donkey. And as he was saying this, I began to realize, you know, I had some names that I've gone by. Names that if someone were to see me, that's the first name that would come to their mind. And maybe you've got some names. Names people either have called you, names people know you by. One time I was in a meeting with a family, and the dad's nickname for his daughter was Trampy. I said, I'm thinking to myself, how do I resist my anger in the moment here? Because, I mean, you're prophesying over her, you know? And, and, and he just, he see say this like a joke, you know? And, and I, I, finally, you know, when I was able to get a moment alone with him, I had to say, you know what? I know you kind of made you think it's all funny and cute and everything. It's not. It's not. Don't say it. Don't say that anymore. That's going to stick. That's going to stick. That's going to stick. Years after you're gone and she's 50 or 60 years old, she's going to remember Trampy. Please don't say that. Oh, okay. I, I guess I didn't realize I was doing anything wrong. Yes, you are. Because names are powerful. Dumb donkey, being known as that, is powerful. I remember once uh, when I was playing football, we used to call our our uh, offensive tackle, he was like, he had a beard and he was six foot five in the eighth grade, you know, probably weighed 300 pounds. And I remember our coach used to call him the Pollock because he was a big Polish kid. I mean, he just looked, you know, he was a giant. And it'd always call him the Polak. And I remember his father coming up to the coach and saying, I don't want you to ever call him that again. And I remember thinking, well, what's a big deal? You know, and I didn't realize that that was a derogatory term to use because names have power. And so what God is saying to this morning is, let's let's take heed of the names we call people including me. Why is that so important? Well, if you go to the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation talks about a book that God has. It's, it's, I, I don't know if it's God's only book, but it's one of the few books that are attributed that God owns this book. And in this book, if you were to open up and look at its pages, all that is in this book is a list of names. It's called the book of life. And if your name is in that book, you're going to live with God forever. That's the beauty of having your name in that book. Amen. And so in Revelations chapter 2, verse 17, Jesus says to the person who trusts in Christ, he says, I will give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. Isn't that cool? A new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 12, uh, Jesus again says, To the one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write the name of my God, and the name of the new city, the new Jerusalem, name of the city of God, which is coming down out of heaven. And I will also write on them my new name. Names are powerful. Names are very, very important. And there's power in the name. And so Jesus is, in God, you know, they're, they're bringing up a subject that may get lost on us sometimes, but it hasn't get lost to God. Partially because when we misuse the name of God, the first point is we can very quickly become a false witness of God. If I were to start punching somebody, and they're like, why are you punching me? I'm like, because God told me to punch you, you know? And I just start punching somebody. What are they gonna gonna think about God? They're gonna probably have some thoughts about that, you know? Oh, okay, so God directs people to punch people, you know? If I start uh, manipulating or misusing the name of God, uh, if I start saying, you know, well, God is okay with us doing this. Or God is okay with us saying this, or God is okay with us thinking this, or God is okay with us believing this, and God is not okay with that. It's a false witness to God. God's saying, look, these people, they're going to believe you. These people are going to buy into it. If you put my name to your lack of knowledge about me, and you connect the two, you are being a false, I, that's not me. I'm not telling you to hit that kit. I'm not telling you that that's okay. I'm not doing that. Stop saying that it's me. That's what God's saying. Don't misuse my name. Say that's you. That's you doing it. That's not me. If during the course of a conversation, you know, I, I, it's interesting, I, I hear it all the time, where people go, God damn it, or Jesus Christ. And I'll think, the first thing I think to myself is, What gives us the authority to use God's name like that, or Jesus' name like that? Now, if someone does not believe, they're atheists, you know, they really believe that this all just happened, and two, two seconds after you die, you're just worm food, and there's no meaning, and isn't it great that all these electrons came together and gave what we have? You know, if that's truly your worldview, I can see why you might speak like that, because you don't think there's a God. You don't think there's a Jesus, But for most people, 80 to 90% of the people I believe that I come across, they have the belief that God is there and Jesus is real. And, And so when I hear that, I think, what authority do we have to be able to speak and use those names in that manner? And the fact is, when you really look at it, we don't. It becomes a common thing that we say that holds no sacred value. And so the point is, God could be warning us with this verse that something bad could happen inside. Something bad could happen in our lives when we become careless or arrogant or flippant with the name of the Lord. And so that's the first thing, is just that false witness. The second thing is, it reduces God down to our level when we misuse his name. When we profane something, we drag it down to our level. We reduce it. In effect, we're saying, it is nothing more than I am. It is nothing beyond where I am. When we misuse God's name, we're misusing a power and a holiness and a majesty that is way beyond us. It's an attempt to make God equal with us. I know I've met some people and I've had moments in my life myself where, you know, we just can't stand the thought that something may be loftier than us. We just can't stand the thought that something might be higher than us. So how we deal with that is we got to drag everything, everybody down, you know, we, we, we what do we do to our, poli- what do we do to our politicians, Right? We think, oh, you want to be our leader? Well, we're just going to drag you down so we can show everybody you're just as screwed up as us, you know? We do the, look at the tabloids, you know? One minute, we're talking about Brad and Angelina and their beautiful kids and how they got the greatest fairy tale. life, you know what happens the next week? We drag them down, you know? Brad's a child abuser, and Angelina's just trying to protect her money, and you know, oh, you know, they're, they're, we love to drag down anything that's higher than us when we want to make it equal with us. And so we're, you know, in a sense, they're no better than me. I'm as good as you are. And misusing God's name destroys the lofty concept that God, God is above us. When we get used to dragging people down, it's very easy to take that final step and drag God down and make him equal with us. And God says, that's very dangerous when you do that. It's very dangerous when you do that because what begins to happen is pretty soon you get the thought, nothing is sacred in the universe. Nothing holds meaning and value. When we begin to tear everything down to our level because we can't have something above us, nothing is sacred in the universe. Nothing is important. Nothing is special. We actually began to lose meaning. What is the meaning of us even being here? What is the purpose of life? Why do it all? Why have it all? We get so cynical and so disillusioned. Because deep down we know. Here's where God is. Here's where we are. That is the relationship of harmony. And so, when we don't notice that we're taking the sacred and making it common, God says we slowly begin to change. Pretty soon, everything is common. Pretty soon, nothing is special. Pretty soon, nothing has any real meaning to it. I love in Acts chapter four, verse seven, Peter and the disciples had healed somebody at the temple. And so the Jewish leaders were a little upset that they healed somebody at their temple. And they said, said, by whose authority do you think you can do this? Who do you think you are? And by whose name do you do this? And Peter and John said, by the name of Jesus. Interesting how they said it. Whose name did you do this in? And they said, by the name of Jesus Christ. Now remember, God is not saying, hey, hey, I'm really important here. Hey, hey, I'd like you to start respecting my name if you don't mind, if you would please, you know. That's not it at all. He's not being insecure. He's saying that words are powerful. Names are powerful. John chapter 20, verse 31 says, John wrote, but these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Okay, so we just saying this morning, there's power in the name of Jesus. There's life in the name of Jesus. In Acts chapter four, verse 12, Peter says, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So the first two there, you know, having that false witness of God and reducing God down now, God's saying, I don't want you to deceive people who I really am. I am God the creator. I'm not trying to brag. I'm not trying to boast. That is a reality. Don't, in your brokenness and in your anger and in your confusion over the way the world works, try to drag me down. Keep me up there, I promise. That's where you want me to be. Then we get to number three. Another common way Christians can misuse the name of the Lord is to essentially connect a decision that they are making to God that's not God. I can't. It's beginning to fatigue me now, but I hear so often from people, God is telling me to do this, God is telling me to do that, God is telling me this. You know, it's almost like. And believe me, I am a Pentecostal charismatic. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe in the Word of the Lord. I believe in praying and spiritual. I mean, I. I mean, I believe it all. So don't think for a moment. That, that I'm going down this road and you're like, oh, maybe Pastor Tom is really not you know, uh, into the full biblical teaching. I am. Believe me, I am. But I have heard it so many times where somebody is telling me what God is leading them to do and it just sounds like manipulation. Because what are you going to really say to that? Well, if God's telling you to do it, obviously you're not, you can't get any challenge from little old me, right? Right? You know? Obviously, I have no right and authority to even comment on it because God said it. You know, and if God said it, you just keep going right off that cliff and I'll meet you on the other side, you know. I mean, it's it's tough, but I get it so much. And the reason why this rails against me is because before I was a Christian, was I was in high school, I met a lot of Christians who were like this. And they say, Well, God's telling me to do this, and God, and they were such bonehead, stupid things. For, for a year or two, it made me strongly reject God. I remember thinking, I don't want to be one of those people who God's telling me to, and I don't want God to tell me to do half the things they're telling these people to do. I remember just kind of, I gotta keep my distance away from these, God is telling me to do this and that, folks. Here is the problem. nobody. It, it, it's, it, 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 it's the most nauseating thing in the world when you see Christians particularly Christians, manipulating people by using God's name. I'd rather someone just say it. I don't know if God's leading me to do this or not, but this is what I'm doing. Great, okay, fine. For me personally, it was almost the thing that really kept me away until I began to realize that people reject God because of how we misrepresent God. And I began to realize, you know what, just because the people may misrepresent God doesn't mean that God's not still out there. Doesn't mean that God isn't real or that there isn't people out there who would represent him in the correct way. I remember once, uh, a few years back, a minister had said on TV that if enough donations didn't come in, he was doing some sort of praise-a-thon, telethon, something like that. And, and I felt bad because I, I watch this stuff. I, I, I listen to Christian radio. I watch Christian television. It's part of the world I got to live in. I, I want to keep up on stuff. It's getting harder and harder, but I still try to do it. And one time I was laughing so hard. And I, I could tell Tanya was not happy with me laughing. She doesn't, she doesn't like when I make fun of other ministers. <laughs> And I probably shouldn't. Uh, but I don't mind if they make fun of me, you know? But anyway, you know, and, and I had heard this, and it was It's this, this about five or six years ago now, and I heard this bonehead comment where he said, uh, if, if enough donations don't come in, God said he's gonna take me out. And of course, I'm thinking to myself, great, yes, thank you. This one show I won't have to keep up on, you know? I mean, I'm just, you know, I, mean, there was, a, I was just laughing, like, I, I could not believe what he was saying. If you don't send in money, God said, he's going to kill me. Find that in the Bible for me. Please, somebody, find that in the Bible for me. Find that anywhere in the history of the church. Find that anywhere in reasonable. And But here's the problem. There are people who are not Christian who look at that and go, oh. You know, they want to throw up when they see it. And I just, I'm like, please, God, don't kill him, but cancel the show. (laughs) So that nobody else hears this. We can contain this misrepresentation of God's name and what God does to people. I'm just just waiting for it. You know, I, I, I hunger for it. When someone will come up to me and say, you know what, Tom, I just feel like the Lord really called me. To do this great act of charity for somebody else. You know, God, uh, Tom, I just really feel like the Lord is calling me to make this personal sacrifice so that this person can benefit. When I hear those, when the world hears those, it's so encouraging. It's so encouraging. But when I hear, you know what? God told me that this is gonna happen and it's all gonna be about someone's personal or individual benefit. I'm like, okay, God does love us. He does wanna bless us. And there are gonna be times that God does that kind of stuff. But I mean, it's like, I don't know. I'm getting so fatigued because 90% of the time, that's what I hear. But every now and then, I'll see someone come up and say, you know what, there's a part of my flesh that God's calling me to sacrifice and this is what he's calling me to sacrifice and that's and that I can't wait to do. And you can just see the joy of the Lord in their face. I think to myself, "Yep, yeah, that's not misusing God. That's definitely stamping the right name to the right call, amen? Number four, we can end up prideful and offended. Look at this in Mark chapter six. This is kind of an interesting thing In Mark chapter 6, and I know I don't have the verse for verse up there, but let me read it for you. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus left and went to his hometown. Jesus went home with his disciples. And he began, when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. That's the beauty of Jesus. He'd walk in the room. They're amazed. Wow. They said to him, they said, where did this man get these things? It's amazing. They said, what's this wisdom that's been given to him? Oh, what are these remarkable miracles that he is performing? I submit to you, if they would have stopped there, they would have seen some amazing miracles. They would have seen some amazing things if they'd have just stopped right there. But unfortunately, you have verse three. And in verse three, this is what they began to say. Wait a minute. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? Oh yeah, that's Mary's boy. That's... This is the dude that made my footstool a few years ago. I remember. And that ladder. He made that ladder. That's just that guy. What are they doing? They're pulling Jesus down from Son of God. And he's just one of us. There's nothing special about him. Nothing sacred about him. He's just a common old carpenter. We know him. Oh, his brothers are here. James and Joseph, Judas and Simon. His sisters are here too. And in verse three it says, and they took offense at him. They got offended that Jesus, uh, and another gospel, don't have time to go into it, but another gospel, when he went into the synagogue, the passage he read was a passage that was to identify the Messiah. So that's what he was doing. He was, he was identifying himself as a Messiah. And they got offended at him. Offended at him. And it says, Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown or among his friends or relatives in his own home. Verse five, he could not do many miracles there. I mean, I love when people say, oh, Jesus can do anything. <laughs> it said he could not do many miracles there. Yes, in theory, Jesus as God is omnipotent. But there's something about, there's something about this verse that should sober us all. It says he could not do many miracles there except lay his hands on a few, a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. They were amazed at his great wisdom. He was amazed at their lack of faith. So what happens when we allow something to be sacred? What happens when we don't misuse or don't misrepresent God's name? Faith rises. The truth becomes clearer and the miraculous follows. Then there's that book. Remember that book I mentioned a little earlier? That book with a whole bunch of names in it? That's a pretty important book. Why don't you bow your heads, close your eyes with me for a moment. So this morning, I cannot encourage you enough to take this warning, not to misuse or misrepresent God's name on the earth. Something happens to us. We change when we have to drag everything above us down to be equal with us. The arrogant pride can consume us until we become disillusioned, Cynical, bitter. But there's something else in this morning's message I want you to catch. That there is a book with names. A name known only between you and God. No matter what names you have been called on the earth, no matter what names, whether good or bad, have been spoken of you, that name and those names are only temporary. They will not last forever. Even the names that your parents gave you, will not last forever, but that there is a name God wants to give you. It's an eternal name. It's a name known only between you and him, and it will be written in that book. And that'll be your name where you live forever in the presence of God. And so this morning, please, everybody, bow your heads, close your eyes. We're not born into Christianity. At some point in our lives, the Holy Spirit knocks on the door of our heart. And we make that choice, that choice to choose Christ, that choice to have our name written in that book of life mentioned in the book of Revelation, to have that name given that God gives us that only he and I and us know about, where we choose to make Jesus the Lord, the forgiver, and the Savior of our lives. And so this morning, if you would like to have that new name, if you would like to make that choice and say, you know what? I want to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life. Then I want you to just go head, and look up right at me right now. Make eye contact. Amen. 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 Why don't we say this together? Say, Lord Jesus... Forgive me of all my sins. I make you my Lord and Savior. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and grant me a new name, a name by which I will forever be known. In Jesus' name, amen.